God, we help, uh, ask that you would help us to be attentive to you. We uh, can feel that we are getting into the season of busyness. Help us uh, to be clear-minded. Give us eyes that are good to see and hearts that are good and receptive soil for your word. Uh, plant within us things that will grow for our joy and your glory. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your written word, may they be taken to heart. If my words in any way deviate or are not consistent with your word, may they be forgotten, forgotten forever. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen. All right, so here we are just uh, days away now from one of the biggest and most important days in the year for us, for our country. It's been marked on calendars. Some people gear up uh, for it, prepare for it for many days. Some will wake up before dawn on this day and busy themselves with the tasks of preparation. Some will choose to spend this day with loved ones. Others will go about this day celebrating solo Regardless, it's a day that many look forward to with great anticipation. Yes, it is Black Friday. (laughs) The biggest shopping day of the year in our country when consumerism soars and we bow down before the gods I must have at the temples that come in the shape of malls and big box stores and now high-powered websites. Prepare your hearts, prepare your minds. Here come the deals. (laughs) But before all of that is a day that in many ways is now eclipsed by Black Friday, and that is Thanksgiving Day. You know the story in the year 1621, at some point in the fall, we're not exactly sure, several days after their harvest, the pilgrims at Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts had a feast, they had a harvest festival at which they gave thanks to God and they ate and they enjoyed the fruit of their labor, the fruits of their harvest, the fruits of the fields. And at that event began a tradition that we somewhat indirectly still carry on today. During the years around the founding of the United States, George Washington declared at several points on several, uh, during several years, a day of fasting and a day of thanksgiving Some of the early church leaders in that early decade or two of our uh, country's history uh, also declared those days, and our nation stopped specifically to give thanks. Thomas Jefferson uh, put an end to that for a while, but then it was picked up again. And then in 1963, Abraham Lincoln declared for the nation a day of humiliation, fasting, and thanksgiving. And since that day forward, every year at some point in November, our country has stopped to give thanks to God for the many ways in which we have been blessed. But it has not only been our nation's leaders who have done this, who have called us to thanksgiving. The scriptures have done this, and God has done the same for thousands of years before the United States was even thought of. And Jesus, who himself expressed gratitude to his Father, encouraged his students, his apprentices, to regularly do the same. And among Jesus' students was a brilliant one-time Pharisee by the name of Saul of Tarsus, whose writings we turn to this morning, beginning with his letter to the Christians in the city of Colossae, what is now Turkey, 
uh, reading from Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Listen closely. This is the Word of God. Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And this section of Paul's letter is about practical guidance. It is a section of the Scriptures that is really very general, and it's practical guidance for those of us who are seeking to follow Jesus. The editors of maybe the most popular English translation today of the Bible have labeled this section with a subtitle, Living as Those Made Alive in Christ. And what caught my attention as I've in my own personal reading the last couple of weeks been reading this and several other passages, is that in this passage there is one thing that Paul mentions Not once and not twice and maybe not even three times, but maybe as many as four times in this little passage alone. And that is his encouragement to be grateful or to give thanks to God. He says, be thankful in verse 15. He says in verse 16, with gratitude in your hearts. In verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And back up in verse 14, 13, he talks about humility, which is related to gratitude. As if gratitude was a really important part or component of the Christian life, of following Jesus, of the way of Jesus. And it is. It is, but why? Because gratitude, as I thought about this this week, and the subtle ways that Paul inserts this in all of his teaching, because gratitude provides for us an appropriate and true understanding of ourselves, first of all. And gratitude rightly orders our relationship with God. And gratitude better orders our relationships with others. And gratitude makes healthy our relationship with with stuff. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, in normal life we have, we hardly realize how much more we receive than we give. This is in normal life. He's writing from prison where in a short amount of time Hitler's Third Reich soldiers will execute him. In normal life we hardly realize how much more we receive than we give. And life cannot be rich without such gratitude. It is so easy to overestimate the importance of our own achievements. And think of a man who achieved an incredible amount by the age of 39 when he was executed. It is 
It is easy to overestimate the importance of our own achievements compared with what we owe to the help of others. In other words, most of what we have, we have been given. For almost all of us, probably all of us, we have been given far more than we will ever give. We have been helped far more than we will ever help. As Paul asked the Corinthian Christians rhetorically, what do you have that you have not received? What do you have that you have not in some way been already or first of all given? We may have worked hard ourselves for things that we have, things that we've earned, achieved, accomplished, obtained, but in the big picture and in the end, we have been given far more than we will ever give to others. And it is good, Bonhoeffer suggests, that we see this, that we understand this, that we know this. Thomas Merton wrote, To be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us, and he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is a grace, for it brings with it immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference, Merton writes. Albert Schweitzer, therefore, could write, he who does not reflect his life back to God in gratitude does not know himself. He who does not reflect his life back to God in gratitude does not know himself. In other words, the person who doesn't realize or acknowledge that God, as the New Testament author James wrote, is the giver of all good gifts, the source of all that is good, the furnace of love. The person who doesn't recognize that doesn't really understand himself or herself. Conversely, for the person who does acknowledge that all that one has has been received and all that one has has been given apart from one's own efforts, a whole new way of being, inwardly and outwardly, is possible because gratitude begets humility, which opens the door to the grace of God in a person's life. I'm going to say that again. Gratitude begets humility, which opens the door to the grace of God in a person's life. God takes down the proud. The scriptures say over and over and over, Old Testament and New Testament. But he gives grace to the humble. And that is why In some ways, gratitude is the greatest of all the virtues, which Paul sort of alludes to, to the Colossians. Gratitude is the greatest of all the virtues. It has been called the parent of all virtues. And gratitude has been called the gateway to the other spiritual disciplines. And it is or it can be a discipline, something we choose, something we willfully, intentionally, regularly practice. Henry Nouwen wrote, gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful 
even when my emotions and my feelings are still steeped in hurt and resentment. I don't know if you can relate to that. I can. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. I too often choose the complaint. I can now in rights choose to be grateful when I am criticized, even when my heart is still, uh, still responds in bitterness. Continuing, he writes, gratitude claims the truth that all of life is a pure gift. In the past, I always thought that grat- of gratitude as a spontaneous response to the awareness of gifts received. But now I realize that gratitude can also be lived as a discipline. The discipline of gratitude is the explicit effort to acknowledge that all I am and have is given to me as a gift of love, a gift to be celebrated with joy. And so gratitude, gratitude to God, can be a decision often made in faith, with faith, continually, and at any time. In November of 1620, 102 passengers set sail on the Mayflower from England to a new land. Almost one year later, when the pilgrims celebrated their first harvest festival, there were only 53 of them still alive. All of the others having passed away either during that first harsh winter or several of them still on the ship. And yet they gave thanks to God. They had much for which to give thanks to God. When in 1863, President Lincoln called for a national Thanksgiving Day, which we continue to celebrate today, the country was torn in two by what is still the most gruesome and deadliest of our wars. And yet it was right and good and appropriate to still give thanks to God. There were things for which it was still right and good and appropriate to give thanks to God. Ten days ago, a devastating fire, as you know, tore through the town of Paradise, burning most of its homes and most of its structures and killing many, maybe hundreds. My wife's uncle and aunt had lived in Paradise for 28 years. This is all that remains today of the house in which they raised their three children, the house that contained countless memories and all of their things, both the mundane and all of their treasures. And yet Karen's uncle has said, quote, we are thankful for so much. We are thankful that we made it out alive. We are thankful to God to have each other. We are thankful that our church building somehow survived the fire. We are thankful for the community of people that we still have. I wondered if I could get those words out when I heard Uncle Bob saying them, if I had been in his shoes. And on the morning after Uncle Bob and his family evacuated, Uncle Bob went to Costco very intentionally and bought a pair of gloves and a pair of jeans because he said, as soon as they let us back in, I'm going back in to help as many people as I can. Not because he was dwelling or not because he was not dwelling on what he had lost, but on what he still had 
and how he could share that with others. Grateful. Someone has written, I am thankful for the taxes I pay because it means I'm employed. For the mess to clean up after friends leave because it means I have friends. For the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough to eat. For the pile of laundry and ironing because it means I have clothes to wear. For utility bills to pay because it means I have a home. For all the complaining I hear about politicians because it means we have freedom of speech. For the parking lot spot that I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I am capable of walking. For the huge heating bill because it means I am warm. For the lady behind me in church who sings off key because it means I can hear. (laughs) That's why I sit on the front row. So I don't have to make people in front of me grateful. So here's our little exercise. If you've been blessed in any of the following ways, then speak out these words. I am so grateful. <laughs> for a God who loves me. For the freedom to gather for worship. For the gifts of singers who lead and musicians who play. For access to God's word. For people who love me. For people to love. For pets who have loved me and pets I get to love. For a safe, comfortable home and a bed on which to lay my head. head. Got to ramp up the enthusiasm. We're halfway there. For the jobs we have held. For the teachers we have had. For the people who have helped us. For the things that we have learned. For access to medical care. For the teeth that we still have. I know all of you couldn't say that, but that's okay. For dentists and therapists. For means of transportation, regardless of what those may be. For the person who delivers my mail. For smartphones and dumb phones. For the people I get to work with. For the people I have to work with. For days off from those people. For all of the blessings I have enjoyed. For all of the suffering from which I have been spared. For God's mercy and grace. For the hope of eternity. Amen. Amen. Now Black Friday's coming. By focusing on what you do not have yet and what the world says that you need, becoming sucked into that can breed within a person ingratitude instead of gratitude. So be warned. And at the same time, be encouraged to practice gratitude for the many ways in which you have been blessed. We have been blessed daily. Gratitude rightly orders one's relationship with God, who is the giver of all good things. Here are our memory points. Gratitude rightly orders one's relationship with God. Second, gratitude begets humility. 
which is essential for a relationship with God and is like oxygen for our relationships with others. No one enjoys being around people who are ungrateful. Everyone enjoys being around people who are grateful, and especially if that gratitude is expressed to others. And so gratitude also blesses people. When we thank people for who they are, for who they have been in our lives, for their presence, for the ways that they have been friends to us, for the ways that they have blessed us, that blesses people. And gratitude puts us into better relationships with things. Gratitude gives a person a healthy detachment from stuff. Uncle Bob also said this week what he was reminded of this week. Quote, life is not about the accumulation of things. So true. And sometimes it takes a fire to remind us of such. And finally, gratitude encourages us to be generous and to experience joy in expressed or lived out generosity. When a person realizes that what she has been given and, and, and she is fully grateful for such, something happens in a person. She realizes that whatever she has received wasn't first hers in the first place and in some ways never has been, never is, and never will be. She realizes that whatever she received in the bigger picture ultimately belongs to another. And in embracing that truth and that reality, she is willing and sometimes even glad to part with that thing or those things in order to bless other people as she has been blessed. Are you with me? Gratitude encourages generosity. And so as we seek to walk in the ways of Jesus, to follow in His way, I encourage you as I need to continually encourage myself, practice gratitude. As as Henry Nouwen says, it is more than simply a spontaneous feeling or reaction. It is something that we can intentionally and willfully practice. So this week... As Black Friday approaches, practice gratitude. Before you leave this space, think of ways that you can and will put into practice Paul's encouragement, his admonition, his insistence that we be thankful, that we be grateful. Make it a point. Commit yourself. Covenant yourself to write notes of gratitude this week, to say thank you to people who help you or bless you in any way in your life this week, to as many times as you can in one day, thank God spontaneously for the things in your life all around you that we've grown accustomed to taking for granted. Begin each morning by saying thank you God for that night of rest. Thank you that I'm healthy enough to get out of bed. And go through your day for just a minute or two, thanking God for the ways that you will be blessed, the things that you will enjoy, the ways that you will see Him, for opportunities to bless others for the life that He has given us. And He will swell up within us an attitude of gratitude that will bring Him glory and that will bring us joy. May this be so.